will talk about what I title Harvest. How many of us want to experience Harvest? Harvest. Experiencing the fullness. So there are two ways that you can look at Harvest. Most of the time when we talk about Harvest, we think about it in terms of you know, God's provision, God's blessings. We think about it in the agricultural context, and that's the context in which the Bible speaks about it. In parables, in feasts that were instituted by the Lord for the nation of Israel. Harvest is that time when the year's work bears fruits. It's the ingathering of the crops as when, you know, the people go to the fields that they have cultivated all year, they have sown, they have watered, other process has gone on, and a time comes when it's the season of harvest. That year's work in the fields, it will yield, it will bear fruits, and then the people will go, they will gather in the blessings, the fruits, People are fed, you know, people are sure that, are assured of like the next few months that there's no famine, there's abundance, there's provision, there's bounty. Um, yeah, so in the context of scripture, harvest is always used in that, within that agricultural context. Um, and within that context, I will... I would like us to look at um, the concept of harvest in in two ways. First of all, let's let's open our Bibles to Matthew nine thirty six to thirty eight, I believe. So, but when he saw the multitudes, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Go back to that verse 36. So you can see that Jesus was moved with compassion for multitudes because they were weary, they were scattered, and they had... They were like sheep that had no shepherd. And then he said that this is the harvest that you are seeing in front of you. And this is, this is plentiful harvest. And pray the Lord of the harvest so that you will send laborers. So when the laborers come, the laborers come with compassion. The laborers, you know, take care of those who are wearied. They gather those who are scattered, right? Um, they, they bring in the sheep into the fold. That's the work of the laborer. And in the fold, the sheep are fed, they are led, they are strengthened, and they have direction. Right? You know, um, that's what the Lord is seeing here. And one thing that is very significant here is that the Lord is the Lord of the harvest. The Lord is what? The Lord of the harvest. And that's very instructive for me because a lot of people are trying to have harvest outside of the Lord of the harvest. They are trying to... Um, be, the Lord of the harvest 
kind of you know tells me that this harvest is not something that is random that you know i can enter any field do any work and expects that at the end of the day there's going to be harvest they may not be harvest you know in this context i mean bible says don't be deceived right whatever a man sows that he will reap the question i want to ask you is that is everything that is reaped harvest do you think everything that is that is reaped is harvest do you know that a ground that is not cultivated will still grow something are you aware that it doesn't even matter whether you choose not to cultivate anything don't sow anything just leave the ground and who the the forests that we see on the outskirts and in the away from the cities in the countryside who is planting them who is cultivating those trees and those grasses if you leave a field fallow it will grow wild things the only thing is that it may not be useful you can compare it to the cocoa farmer that we even say okay this person is a merchant the harvest of the that the cocoa farmer is expecting and what will be the result of that harvest the long-term effect of that harvest is different from me that i planted ugu at the back of my backyard and i'm harvesting a few peppers and tomatoes and we are both farmers right so there is the lot of the harvest and it is his harvest he said pray the lord of the harvest so that he will send laborers into what his harvest and these things are very important we are praying the lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest but there's such thing as the time of the harvest there's such thing as what the time of the harvest in in the old testament every year there was harvest but every seven years there will be jubilee right um there would be usually the feast of i think it's called the feast of first fruits before the feast of weeks everything is pentecost in other words the harvest can be in what levels the harvest can be in grades is all the season of harvest but there is the harvest and jesus told the parable to say there is the harvest the end of the age the time when the son of man will send his angels will gather out of the kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness so i really like that parable because it broke down everything even the tears it produces a children of devil they are they are this is the practice of lawlessness is what tears is and they are the things that are being removed so that the kingdom can do what find expression so that's happening at the end of the age and that is what the lord calls the harvest now i'll read one more scripture you know um in relation to that john chapter 4 let's read from verse 34 to 37 Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to do what? Finish his work. 35. Do you not say there are four months and then comes the harvest? In other words, like I said, there is the time of harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields. They are already what? White for harvest. 36. 
And he who reaps, receives wages and gathers fruits for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. 37. For in this the same is true. One sows and what? Another reaps. So, um, in this, this is the time when Jesus was, had an encounter with the Samaritan woman. This is not a parable. In this place, Jesus is not talking about the reaper as angels. He's just talking about laborers in the kingdom. There's the one who is sowing. There's the one who is reaping. A time is coming. They will rejoice together. And at this time, the interpretation of the people around him was that the harvest is still far. And Jesus said, no, the harvest is not far. Lift up your eyes. The fields are already white for harvest. Because it is the Lord of the harvest that determines the time of the harvest. So we may look at the conditions and say the harvest is still afar off. Harvest doesn't happen until summer. Harvest doesn't happen until we have had four months of rain. Harvest doesn't happen until this time of the year. Harvest doesn't happen until I have fulfilled so and so righteousness. But when the Lord of the harvest says it is the time of harvest, then it is the time of harvest. And he said, the work of harvest is the will of the Father. And that is what I have come to do what? To finish. That is my meat, my gratification, my fulfillment, my satisfaction is this work of the harvest and I need to finish it. And the field is ripe, is white. This is the time of that harvest. This is a time when the one that is sowing and the one that is reaping, they will rejoice together because they will see, you know, the, their reward. they will receive their reward. They will see the travail of their soul and they will be satisfied together, literally speaking. So, when we look at scriptures like this and how Jesus explained the harvest, now most of the time, we think in a unilateral direction. Harvest of souls, true or false, it is very true. These scriptures are speaking about what? The harvest of souls. They are speaking about people coming to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of Jesus. People knowing the Lord is the crux of this harvest conversation. Somebody says one side of the coin. Is this, is, is a coin. But for many generations of the church, we have interpreted the Lord is purposes and is uh, his agenda in the end time from one side of the coin. The side of fullness of numbers. The numbers of people who are coming into the kingdom. And that is very pivotal. In fact, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached throughout all the world before the end will come. Paul was talking in the book of Romans and saying that the, 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 the Jews had to be offended for a while so that the fullness of the Gentiles can come in. So it has everything to do with numbers. The only thing is that that's not all. That is not all. In fact, if I may say so, the other side of the coin is the more important side. And I will show you why. It's not because this side is less important. I will show you why in a minute. You see that same scriptures where Jesus was teaching parables? Let's look at another parable there about the kingdom. Mark chapter 4. About the harvest 
about the kingdom. Mark chapter 4. Let's look at verse 26 to 29. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And he should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. The first, the blade. Then, the head. After that, the full grain in the head. 29. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. Because what? I just said something. It's the Lord of the harvest that determines the time of harvest. That determination is not on the side of the Lord of the harvest alone. This is the second side of the coin. The, this is the second side of the coin, rather. The grain is the one that determines when the sickle goes into the harvest. It is not that the Lord is sitting down and looking at his wristwatch and saying in 2033, December 7. That's why those prophecies are just, you know, spiritual exuberance, excitement, um, you know. When somebody says October 10, 1999, Jesus will come. We've heard many. New, new dates are coming out every year. God, God doesn't live in time. You know, when it's 2023, like Jesus is looking at his leaders, well, I'm just counting until 2023. When it's 2023, December 15, I'll just blow the trumpet, then everything will end. No, that is not how. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. The times and seasons are in the hands of the Father. In his omniscience, he knows everything. But the grain, the ripening of the grain determines when the sickle will be put in and when the harvest is come. It doesn't matter. Let me have 50 hectares. Everything I've planted it with cocoa or with maize is everywhere. You know, there are some crops that are called perennial crops. Nothing comes out of the ground for one year. In five years, you have not harvested the first thing. What? Okay, so I now look at that field now and I say, ah, this field has been here for a long time. My mates have been harvesting maize since six, since six months of the first year. Me too. I want to harvest. I want to do feast of harvest. I don't have anything. Nothing is coming out of my tree. Or it is coming out. It is not ripe. I, I now look over and say, ah, Patrick, we, 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 put, we, we sold mango the same day. See, Patrick has gathered a bowl of mango. My, my mango is not ripe. It's not, the thing is just coming out. I say, me too. I must do harvest. Is that how it's done? No, now. Is the day your fruit is ripe, that's the day of your harvest. The day your fruit is ripe, that is what? That is the day of your harvest. And this is the second side of the coin. Harvest not only speaks of fullness of numbers, it also speaks of the fullness of Christ. It, it is not just about fullness of numbers. It is true that, you know, the Lord desires all men to be saved. What's that scripture? Is it 2 Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at that scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
verse 3 or so. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires how many people? All men to be full stop. Is it full stop in your Bible? What is the and? And to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's two sides of a coin. God desires all men to be what? Saved. And to do what? Come to knowledge. Come to knowledge. So we are not going to have harvest with one side of the coin. If the, if the, if the fruit refuses to be ripe, if there is no ripening, if there is no spiritual maturity, if there is no Christ-likeness, if there is no fullness, then the farmer doesn't put in the sickle. So I will say that his spiritual stature that determines the time of the harvest is the crop that permits the farmer. And you, you see, this is also very, um, this is also very, will I say, pivotal or pertinent to our, our individual experiences of harvesting the plan, the purpose, and the will of God concerning our lives. When God gives us promises sometimes, what God is thinking is not what we are thinking. When God gives us promises, we are thinking of our immediate situation and we are interpreting the promises or the word of God based on our immediate situation. E.g., case in point, Abraham. Abraham had a need in his life. That need was a child. Anything God said, Abraham had it through the, through the prism of, I want a child. It didn't matter what God was saying. Abraham in the beginning of Abraham's walk with God, whatever God said was about a child. It took years of walking with God before Abraham found out that Abraham, come out of your land, come out of your people, come out of your nation and I will make you a name and I would, you know, your seed will be like the seashore and like the stars of the heaven. It took Abraham a very long time before he began the real journey of that promise what is the real journey of that promise abraham looked for a city so all along god was not speaking about a child god was speaking about a spiritual city a spiritual city that had people in it like sand of seashore and stars of heaven because what makes a city is the people not the buildings the people their culture their way of life the work they do that's what makes a city so this guy began to look for the city of god his portion in the city of god but all his life he was chasing or let's say much of his time following the lord he was hearing god through the prism of i will give you don't have a child i am going to give you a child most of the time, our spiritual harvest, even on an individual level, is delayed because we are relating to God from the side of, from one side of the coin. Usually, the side of numbers. The side of what we can quantify. Not the side of quality. What, I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to say. 
if you look at my life and I have certain things that are quantifiable, then you say, I am blessed. I am experiencing harvest. I got a really good job that pays me a lot of money. You say, ah, praise God. God has blessed you. That's the provision of God. You even wash it. Like Star Carolina refused to wash her car for me till today. She bought car and she refused to wash it. And she said, I should come and use my anointing to bless the car. I've I used anointing to bless the car. She refused to wash it. But you know, <laughs> those, are, those are things that are worthy of, you know, that, you will call a feast around that. Someone is getting married. You call, we call a feast around it. It's quantifiable. Someone is, you know, after a long time has gotten a promotion, has gotten maybe a visa, has gotten something. Oh, bless God. And bless God is the provision of God. It's not provision of devil. It's not Satan that is. It doesn't matter at a level. When I say it doesn't matter, I'm not saying that those should be the core of our pursuit. I'm saying that you should glorify God for those things. The fact that the, um, the magicians of Pharaoh can also throw their rod and produce certain things doesn't mean that it is not God that is working through Moses. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that it's not God that is working through Moses. It is God that is bringing those things into your life. And he uses them to comfort you. He uses them to bless you, to make you happy. God is not, is not wanting you to be sorrowful all your life. I don't know whether you understand. We, we pray concerning our needs. We pray concerning our concerns. God answers those prayers. God answers those prayers. But at a certain level, right, we have to understand that the real promises of God, the real harvest, the real blessings, they are not things that we can always quantify, that we can always point a finger to in the natural. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. In fact, those are the, that's the depth of the harvest. That's the depth of the blessing. And as it is with the harvest in the world, or, you know, in generally in the, the harvest of the world, coming to know the Lord, coming into the church, so it is applicable in our lives. It's two side, there are two sides to the coin, and it's not always quantifiable. In fact, that one that is not quantifiable determines the time of the harvest. So, what is really, you know, when we read about the end of the age in Matthew chapter 24, and we see those, there will be head, earthquakes everywhere, there will be, there will be war, there will be rumors of war, there will be this and that. A lot of people characterize the end of the age solely around those evil things. In fact, is most, is most of those things that have given birth to the eschatologies of pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, and now, you know, some people are really expecting that a time will come when the Lord will rapture the saints out of the earth and people that are left, somebody will come and gorge out their eyes, you know, and, and uh, FBI will be chasing them and they'll be entering holes and all of those kind of things. And all those kind of things most of the time are based on movies. Are based on movies. Uh, ah, there's this series. Books. Ah, left behind. Left behind. Uh, hello, brother. Open your Bible, show me. Ha. No, it's not. It's not. Show me where the Bible says. Nah. CCCs, they will stamp it. They will chase you inside the hole. Inside the... 
Now, some people refuse to take um, COVID vaccine. They say it's 66. I say, okay. Show me where scripture said that they will sneak it in to you. Because you really think that, as in like, the devil is this stupid, right? That he will... You see, you will take 666 willingly. It's not... You will... You, you know, when he says it causes all men, both great and small, to worship the beast, based on what? It was based on deception. It's not the deception of the of that they sneaked it inside COVID-19. No. It's the deception because the beast was full of lying wonders and he swayed men. The beast persuaded them. The beast persuaded them. I was saying to that person, I said, let me, let me just help you. 66 is already around. It's been around since and it's going to be in a situation where you are a student and someone says to you, despite your academic prowess and your hard work and the person says to you, if I don't sleep with you, you won't graduate from this class. You don't know that you are dealing with 66 right there. <laughs> you don't know you are dealing with 66 because it says nobody can buy Nobody can sell. Economic activity will be shut down. That's your education is your ticket to economic prowess. Now somebody wants to shut it down. Then you finish that one, you come to the workplace. And somebody says, if you don't compromise, we won't promote you. If you don't join the league, you can't access that contract. If you don't do what we do, you can't be selected for that training that is abroad. Uh, no, 66 has been around since, don't worry. It's just maturing. You know, now, in those days, it was very clear. People were very clear about what is wrong. People were very clear about what fornication is, what bribe is, what Christians can do and cannot do. These days now, people don't know what is right or wrong anymore. The lines are blood. The lines are blood now. It's now called wisdom. Anyway, I didn't come here to teach eschatology today. But suffice it to say that when I look at the Gospels and I look at what Paul taught and I look at the book of Revelations, I see a continuity. I don't see, I see them complementing one another. I don't see differences. I don't see the book of Revelation as something separate from the New Testament where some, some headless beasts and some things are just flying. This very scary book that, no, 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 no. It's a continuum. It's the same thing that Jesus said in, in Matthew 24. It's the same thing that Paul taught in 2 Thessalonians 2. It's the same thing that is in the book of Revelation. But I didn't come to teach eschatology today. Okay? Where was I? So, I was saying that people, when people think about the end of the age, they think about um, those evil events, those scary things, those... But that's not... If the hallmark, the main event of the end of the age is the ripening of the fruit. Jesus is not just coming for the harvest of souls. He's coming for the glorified church. Let me help you with something. It is the coming of the Lord that is releasing darkness and judgment on the earth. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> is his advance. Let me give you an analogy. 
the sun is how many light years away from the earth? I don't know. It's far. 83 light years. Hello? Not miles. Not kilometers. Uh, please, don't get it. Light years. How, ma- how many, how much is the light here? Uh, you're not understanding what I, mean, what I mean by light years. That, that light here is not helping me to, is minimizing it. The, the sun will be one gazillion kilometers away from the earth. Sir. The point I'm trying to make is that the sun is what? Very, very, very far away from us, right? Yet, that sun is the source of our life. Do you know? The earth is rotating around the sun. Is the source of our heat? Is the source of our light? Is the source of our life? Is the reason for gravity and everything is holding our weather, our seasons, the sustenance of life is because of that sun. Should be ordinarily super ah, let's bring this sun to be close to us. Try it. Try it. I don't know if you understand. It's the same way that the Lord is. The Lord is the is this is is the Lord is the source of life of this planet and the entire universe. Is that his distance that is that that as he's coming closer, as he's coming closer, this earth is 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 passing out. Oceans are roaring. Darkness is falling. Everything is rebelling. Human soul is melting down. It's decaying. Devils are, they are, they are raging. Everything is going into chaos. Except for those who their core material is the same material that is in the sun. There are people that what is inside them is the same core material that is inside that it can't melt them they are made from the same fabric if I can put it that way they are experiencing intensifying presence the joy of the Lord visions, revelations in the last day I will pour my spirit upon all flesh some people are glorying in the presence of God having a glory is coming closer they are, their life is becoming better their light is shining brighter they are, in quotes, for lack of a better English, their destiny is coming out. That joke is between me and my husband. All kinds of things. I, on Sunday, some ladies surrounded me and they were asking me all kinds of questions about the move of the spirit. <laughs> in, our, in, in our fellowship in those days, there was a lady that, you know, once we had a move of the spirit at, at one point and so, so we're just talking and you know I, I was saying that I run away from head twisters, manhandlers you know like uh, they are men of God, God bless their soul but they are manhandlers they're loose, then you twist the neck and you put your leg behind in a way that that person will make sure that they fall down I don't, I don't come near you as, as your anointing is going to this side I move please don't manhandle me I, I, no no I didn't come here to roll in the dust so, and then they asked me all kinds of questions. Okay, what is the balance? Is there such thing as the move of the spirit? And, you know, we had a very nice conversation. So, we're having a move of the spirit. And then this lady just ran. She ran like from the front of the hall to the end of the hall and hit her, slammed herself on the wall and then hit the ground. And then she started shouting, My destiny is coming out. My destiny is coming out. <laughs> 
Ibola to Gassi. Which one is destiny coming out as how? My destiny is coming out. Destiny is coming out as how? From inside or from outside? From where? where? Glory be to God as the Holy Spirit is doing everybody. It's okay for them. But it just shocked me that your destiny is coming out. It's all right. So that's why I said for lack of it. And then he started laughing. For lack of a better English. But this is a real case of your destiny coming out. Because that sun will bring out, it will call the glory out from inside you. This is, this, is, this is what you are made of. As you are seeing it, you are changing. You are becoming better. You are become, but that sun is killing everything. It's killing everything. The same sun that bakes the clay is the same sun that melts the butter. The same sun that bakes the clay and makes it hard and makes it form and makes it beautiful and makes it useful is the same sun that melts the butter into oblivion. It's the same sun. That's the way the coming of the Lord is. So the, the highlight of the coming of the Lord is not bad things happening. The highlight of the coming of the Lord is your shining. So all the promises of the Lord, all the words of the Lord, everything that God has told you, the one that he has told you privately, you have written in your book, the one that he has told you through people, the one that he has, those are the highlights, those are the events of the coming of the Lord. That's the harvest. It will happen in your life, then it will happen in the earth. Our maturity is the high point. It's the high point of the harvest. Let's look, let's quickly read Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 to 3 what does it say okay before we read Isaiah 61 to 3 please give me 2 Peter 3 12 2 Peter 3 12 just to buttress what I just said looking for and hastening what just to prove to you that is the ripening of the fruit that determines the day of harvest you if you are looking for the day of the Lord, you hasten it. What does it mean to look for the day of the Lord? It means to grow spiritually. To look for his appearing. You are longing for his appearing. You are not longing for the appearing of cars. You are not longing for the appearing of better life on this earth. I mean, you do what you need to do. And you pray for God's blessings and intervention. But the core of your heart, what you are looking for, what you are using your destiny to look for is the day of the Lord, the appearing of the Lord. When you are like that, you are hastening the day of the Lord. If it was not possible that you are, we don't know, nothing can happen. On one day in 2034, Jesus will blow the trumpet and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Then Peter would not say, looking for and doing what? Hastening the coming of the day of God. We can do that. We can do that. We can look for and we can hasten the day of the coming of God. Let's go to that Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 to 3. It says, Arise, shine. For what? Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. 2. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. This is what I've been describing. Deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen where? upon you so don't be afraid of chaos please you see anyone who is looking for the day of the lord should not bother with 
chaos. Ah, who is the president of Nigeria now? The guy neck. Uh, some policy came out. We, I don't know my future. No, 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 no. You don't know yourself. You are the one. <sighs> Events of this world are hanging around you and your spiritual development. It's not them that is determining what is happening to you. You are the one that is determining the seasons as they are unfolding on the earth, depending on how you are yielding to the Lord. Both in your own life, personally, and in the earth, you determine, your yielding to the Lord determines what's happening. So we stand in our corner and we feel very helpless. We say, oh God, you know, I've seen, been seeing some prayer points. It doesn't matter what happened. My, me and my family, we are okay. Uh, uh, you know, I, I legit came across a seven-day vigil, prayer, prayer, fasting vigil. The policy of this land will not affect me and my family. Their faith will work for them. All right, but let me show you a better way. Look for the day of the Lord. Stop looking for the day of better Nigerian government. I don't mean that literally. I don't mean don't pray for Nigeria. I don't mean don't vote. I don't mean don't get involved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't hang your hope there. This is your hope. The day of the Lord is your hope. The season of harvest is your hope. That's what you are around here for. I mean, if you really believe that the harvest is coming and this is not where we'll live forever, why is your hope here? If your hope is here, you are a miserable human being. If, if, if we have hope only where? In this world. The desperation that I see in the souls of men is a result of hopelessness. When somebody has hope only in this world, it becomes a desperado. They say, wait, let God lead you. Now lie. <laughs> Now lie. The desperation is too much. The peer pressure. What's happening to your mates at this time is too much. Why? Because of where your sight is it says darkness will cover the earth deep darkness the people the lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you making your determination that i want to be looking for the day of the lord this i want to be living in glory i don't want to believe it some of us what happens around determines our mood determines our hope when you go to work if your boss behave one kind that is no, is your in fact your week is one kind. I think it was the day we had Thanksgiving service when uh, the word came that when you look at when you when you are looking at the Lord, He becomes magnified and His glory is all you see. And but if you are looking at the devil, then what He's doing becomes magnified. When the angels in the presence of the Lord, when they will say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord." God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. And, and, and then you, you look around, you see COVID-19. You see joblessness. You see 60% of Nigerians are living under minimum wage in poverty and their poverty is being taxed. You see, you see different evil all across the world. And then somebody said, the earth is full of his glory. You Two of you must be living from two different perspectives. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Verse 3. The Gentiles shall do what? Come to your light. This is how that side of the coin is going to happen. That other side, this is how it's going to happen. When that light is shining, you see, 
<laughs> when that light is shining, like the, the literal day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I don't know whether you remember that the day the Holy Ghost fell was what? Was the literal day of Pentecost. You know, when Jesus was going to heaven, they said, tell us, when is the time when the kingdom and the hour that it will come? Jesus said, don't worry yourself about that. But let me tell you the one that concerns you. Go to the upper room and wait. You just go and wait in the upper room. That's the one that concerns you. Forget the time that the kingdom wants to come. That one is in the hand of my father. Check what concerns you right now. Go to the upper room and do what? Wait for the promise. The day the promise came, the question they asked Peter is, men and brethren, what shall we do? The Bible says they heard the glory of God, every man in his own language. Do you know what that means? Some of you are speaking the language of tech. You are, you are just a Daniel who is, who is speaking the Chaldeans, who is able to understand the Chaldeans' language because there's harvest in that place and it's this light that will bring the harvest. They will come and look for your God. When that light shines, because you speak the language, they will come and ask you. The Gentiles shall come to you. You know, when you, when, when you look on social media and you see the mess that Nigerian church has, has become, sometimes you don't even want to you don't even want to associate. <laughs> I asked my husband, I said, is it that I'm ashamed of the gospel of Christ? I want to examine myself. Because I've just distanced myself from certain conversations. Because this is not the gospel. This thing we are doing is not the gospel. But when is the true light? Kings will come to the brightness of it. When you mature, you are not the one that will be looking for influence. You are not the one that will be looking for influence. You know, that discussion that we had on Sunday got to a place where, you know, someone was telling me in the group, said, you know, you, it's like, Pastor Sopo, you are hiding yourself. You are hiding yourself. You don't put yourself out there. You don't want people to know you. You know, and she was saying it out of genuine concern and passion. People need to hear these things. People, you know, people need people need to hear you. People need to people need to know that you exist. People need to know this truth. You know, she was saying it from that angle, and I was saying to her that I am not as concerned about a meeting about about teaching in a meeting where there are 5,000 people as I am as concerned about pouring myself into five people that those five people can reach five million I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say I said it's not about strategy it's about one what does the master want because I'm a servant if it's that I want to strategize, I'm not an idiot. I know what people do in ministry. No, I'm brilliant. I can, I can say that to you. I'm not an idiot. I know what people do in ministry. I said, but I am a servant. I'm a servant. I must do only what I'm told to do. 
ministry for me is not a ministry and influence. I said ministry and influence for me is not the numbers of people that are listening to me. Is that I'm doing the will of the one that sent me. If Jesus said this is the way that we are doing, then that's the way of influence. Because when he, he came, he didn't seek his own. He did only what God told him to do. He said, as I'm seeing, that's what I'm doing. As I'm hearing, that's what I'm doing. A time came, he heard that he should be flogged and he should die. And he legit protested it. He said, if this cup can even pass, I don't want this one. And he took all his popularity, Jesus, the king of the Jews, he took it to the cross and went to go and use it to die. And look at where the world is today because of that. Look at where you and I are today. Imagine that Jesus did ministry. I mean, we heard of the 12, we heard of the 70, we heard of the 120. You know, that's not a lot. If you read in the book of Acts, I think it was uh, Gamaliel when he was talking to the Sanhedrin and talking about set some band leaders that have risen before Jesus. Some of them had 400 men. Jesus was not the most popular in his day. Jesus had 12, 70 at most. It was even after his death that we knew that they were up to 120. When he was alive, they were 70. People had 400 in the days of Jesus. So Jesus was not the most popular healer. He was not the most popular preacher. And at the end of the day, he was disgraced. He was naked. He was beaten to death. And that's what ended his ministry. But look at the world today. Look at you and I. To me, that is influence. What God is doing is greatness. Don't let anyone deceive you. What God is speaking to you, what God is doing in you, the instruction is giving you, that is ministry. Ministry is service. Ministry is not empire building. Ministry is service. That is service, that is influence, that is greatness. Kings will come to the brightness of your rising, not the one you walked yourself. It's called fulfilling. It's called judging disobedience when your obedience is complete. This is the harvest. This is what God is calling us to. So please don't look at what you are going through, what your, the current condition of your life, what is working and what is not working, and write a thesis of your life based on that. Some of you have never met yourself. You don't even know who you are in the spirit. You say, uh, you know, if, if you put me and another person together, you say, ah, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying in the context of the conversation we had on Sunday, if you say you want to say, mention the, the, the ministries, you understand, it can never be my tongue. Never. Never. You can, they can never go and bring the, the men of God or the women of God. I, I, I'm not looking forward to when it will be my tongue. It's not my ambition. It's not my goal. I'm just looking for the, his brightness to be seen in me. I'm looking for his glory. That's all I'm looking for. That's what the harvest is. That's what we are called to. That's what our life is. I'm an accountant. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. Kings are coming to the brightness of your rising. Now, before I close, I just want to hone in a bit on what that spiritual maturity looks like. That stature of the harvest. I want to just 
mention two things that will help you know what it looks like. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We have been on this for how many weeks now? Maybe five or six weeks in this church that we have been looking at Second Corinthians chapter 10. From verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Go on. Being ready to punish all disobedience. When what? Your obedience being fulfilled is the first snapshot of what spiritual maturity looks like. What is the, how is your obedience fulfilled? It tells you from verse 3. Casting down imaginations. High things. Thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God the degree to which you are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ is the degree to which your obedience is complete. Should I say that again? The degree to which... So, obedience being complete is not necessarily, I did not lie, is part of obedience. I did not steal, is part of obedience. You see, but those, that your heart, that your mind, the degree to which thoughts are going to prison you are taking them as they are occurring as they are coming those suggestions those imaginations those reasonings as they are coming and you are holding them captive to the obedience of what of christ you see some people are some people are they have very hot temper and they are also very foolish they say everything that is in their mind. It's both good and not good. You understand? It's, it's, it's not good, but I mean, this person, we, Bible says a fool utters all his heart. Everybody knows what is going on. Well, at least the person is not pretending. For most of us, we have castles of thoughts in our souls that are not submitted to Christ at all. They are not, they are not going captivity anything. We are allowing them to rule, run rampant. Anything that that thought wants, we are feeding it. It is growing. It's growing. It's not being taken captive. Some of those thoughts are thoughts of offense. Some of those thoughts are thoughts of pride. Some of those thoughts are thoughts of self-pity. Some of those thoughts are thoughts of how you will take care of yourself apart from God. There's a degree of independence. When it comes to a time, you draw line for God, I beg. It's okay here. Yeah. Let me... It's time to... I will come back and ask for forgiveness. You are not yet taking thoughts captive. Every thought must go into captivity. Every thought must stand side by side. If it doesn't pass the Holy Ghost test, it goes into captivity. Your soul must become a place where evil thoughts are being captured and incarcerated. Evil thoughts. And when I say evil thoughts, I don't mean thoughts to smoke and to sleep with women or, or men. That's not what I mean by evil thoughts. 
I mean thoughts that are not thoughts of God. Imaginations and high things. Those carnal inclinations that we have learned about. That originate from the soul. We have learned it from our environment. From our upbringing. From our pain. From our experiences. But they are not fully aligned to the world. Everything must go into what? Captivity. That is what it means. Your obedience is complete. You must learn to subject your thoughts. Nobody has talked to you, but as the thing is rising, you are taking it captive. As the thing is rising, you are taking it captive. A time will come. You know, my husband was saying that he was going through social media and something occurred to him. And that thing was, it looked like a righteous thought on the surface. But underneath, immediately that thing started rising. The Lord said, hey, Mr. Man, this thing is not pure. In his own, in his, his, in his consciousness, his righteous anger. His righteous anger. But hello, Mr. Man, this pride here. What, did, what do you have that you did not receive? If you receive it, why are you behaving as if you didn't receive it? And he started repenting of his pride. But he didn't intend to be proud. He just felt, oh, this is nonsense. I cannot stand it. And the Lord said, Mm-mm. you will stand it. You will pray about it. You be humble about it. You know, that's a level of taking thoughts captive. That's a level of taking thoughts captive. There are some of us, even the one that we are, we know, we know that this thought as is coming is a bad one. The way I'm thinking about Rebecca is a bad one. But we'll entertain it and give, we'll even justify it. Then you open your mouth and tell matter. It's called evil speaking. It's nothing else. It's called evil speaking. And when you, are, when you engage in evil speaking, according to Isaiah 55, your light can rise. It can shine. So everything that, you see those thoughts, they block light. They block light. So they have to go into captivity. The more they are going into captivity, the more you rise in authority to judge disobedience. The second snapshot of spiritual maturity that I'm going to show you is in is related right but I will say it in another way Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 Galatians 2 20 give me Galatians 2 20 you know when we read in the book of Genesis chapter 26 verse 27 when God made man in his own image and after his own likeness right and blessed them I, re- I realize that the way it occurs to us is that we are we are the ones that are taking God's place in the earth. You know that's how it's normally preached. We are gods. We are the ones that are taking God's place in the earth. That is that error that fell Adam in the first instance and is still falling man till now. God took the devil twisted God's intention to Adam and he still took to believers till today. They say, Ye are gods. All of you are children of the most high. In the earth, I'm a God. It is true. And it's also not true. It is true to the degree that God intends to be God through you. It's not you that you want to it's not you that you want to be God. Is you that we get out of the way so that God can be God. Do you understand what I just said? 
You see that God made you in his own image, in his own likeness. He didn't give it to you so that you can go and be God. He gave it to you so that you won't exist and it's only the image and likeness of God that exists. The fruit that Adam was supposed to eat was supposed to kill him. If he wasn't supposed to kill him, if he was like that other tree, there would be no temptation now. He ran away from one and gravitated towards one, the other one. Why? That's why Philippians chapter 2 said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. Just like Adam. Adam thought equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped. So when the devil came and said, go and eat the food, you will become like God. Of course that was his destiny, but not that way. You are supposed to die so that God can be God. It's not that you take the image and arrogate it and appropriate it and quickly be running to where you will appropriate it and say, oh, oh, we are gods. All of us are children of the most high. It is true, but for you to really be God, you have to die first. You die first. The second snapshot of spiritual maturity is the degree to which you are dying and Jesus is expressing his full self through you. You see me, I'm still plenty. The dire I need to die is still a long way. <laughs> I'm still plenty. I know that I'm still plenty around. But I'm not making a mistake. You know, some of us are so presumptuous. We think that the, what we are thinking is what God is thinking. And what we are saying is what God is saying. No, no. This is the second snapshot of, of spiritual maturity. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Those are the two snapshots of spiritual maturity I want to show you today. To what degree are thoughts going into captivity? To what degree am I getting out of the way so that Christ is being expressed? To the degree that that is happening, to that degree your harvest is downloading. Harvest personally in your life the fullness of the promises of God beyond what you think it is. Do you think God will give you Isaac? Simple answer, yes. But Isaac is not your destiny. God will answer your prayers, God will sort your problem, but that's not your harvest. That's not your destiny. The fullness of Christ, that one that can be quantified. That is the harvest in your life personally and in the earth. How do you know someone who is frozen? Some of us are frozen in immaturity. We are mature to a point now. We are now, we are on one spot. Easily offended. I didn't say so, First Corinthians 3. When there's strife, when there's envy, when there's division, you have stopped growing. Easily offended. Now, offenses will come. Even scripture says so. Mark my words. Easily offended. Irritable. And not just that that person is easily offended, then forgiveness is now a problem. Let it go. They say, no, I forgive, but I can never forget. Some married people keep diary of what their partner did wrong. I did not curse you. That marriage can last. Even if both of you are living together, 
you will not be in harmony with that black book of offenses you are keeping it's not possible he said I can never forget he said this to me ha ha <laughs> some of us are praying to forget some of us are praying to forget to and say I can you, you, not go and, you go and document it it's not to keep journal John, beautiful journal like this what God said to me if you look at my journal you will see 323 a.m december 2 those are the memories i want to keep how the holy ghost told me certain things he was where uh, she said he said ah hey easily distracted easily distracted any small thing throws you off course. Any small thing throws you off course. Lack of prayer and spiritual discipline. You are frozen in immaturity. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 talks about the destiny of the church. Another scripture I have written here, Second Corinthians 3.18, we are familiar with that. Talked about we all with open face beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord and changing. This is our until. This is our own end. This is our harvest. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 I think talks about Jesus coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. This is our own destiny. Can you pray the Lord of the harvest? He says pray the Lord of the harvest. Let him send laborers. The Holy Ghost will labor over you. He will send ministers. He will send ministering spirits. He will send gifts. He will put you in the right environment so that you can grow. Pray for laborers in the church because this harvest is not just harvest of numbers. It's harvest of stature. Can we pray that, that the labor of God over our souls will prosper? The labor of God over our souls, over the church. Can we, you know, just pray in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit for this fullness of the harvest for the word of the Lord to come to pass in our lives, in the church and in the earth I want you to pray, I want you to pray for yourself I want you to pray the Lord of the harvest the Lord of the harvest is compassionate when he sees sheep that is without shepherd when he sees them scattered, he wants to gather. When he sees them weary, he wants to strengthen. The Lord of the harvest is invested in the harvest. He's invested in the harvest. He said, go to the upper room and wait for the promise. He's invested in the harvest. I want us to pray. I want us to trust God today that the harvest will come to pass. Let God remove your eyes from everything that is not the goal. Everything that is not the goal. He said, looking for and hastening the day of the Lord. I want to look for I want to hasten that day. I want to look for, I want to hasten that day. I don't want to be easily distracted, easily offended, easily removed, without discipline. I want you to help me. I want you to help me, Holy Ghost. Maroda shateka sodia. Emarotandia, Arigadosa Namashate Sandofra, Arigadadia Botona. Help me to yield. Help me to cooperate. Marotadiba Kosima Shandele Bosaya.